0: The Midwest Crime Files is an unscripted true crimes podcast. In it, we discuss heinous crimes and how they are committed. Viewer discretion is advised.
1: Welcome to the Midwest Crime Files. I'm your host, Gina. And I'm Chris. We're here to tell you the stories of small towns and the heinous crimes that change them forever. Welcome back to our third episode of this third season. Is it episode three already? It is.
0: It doesn't seem like it should be.
1: And this week we are going very close to our hometown, so we will be in Carlisle, Illinois. It's
0: like five minutes away from our house. Yeah.
1: On the morning of March 13th, 1993, a hunter was walking in a rural field right outside Carlisle, Illinois. Instead of finding what he expected to find, you know, maybe a deer or rabbits, I don't know what he was hunting for, he found something grizzly. He found a winter jacket and gloves with a blood trail that led to a line of trees Near the trees, he found the body of a deceased woman. The hunter immediately called 911. The coroner and police officers, ambulance, all the first responders respond, and by 11.25 a.m., she was pronounced dead at the scene. This is the story of Michelle Laux. Michelle Laux was born in 1962 in Cincinnati, Ohio. She married her husband, Ken, in 1983, and they settled in Carlisle. Ken described his wife. Actually, I'm going to let Chris read how Ken described his wife.
0: Ken described her as, quote, The most interesting person I had ever met. Strong, intelligent, and unafraid to tackle any obstacle. End quote.
1: Michelle loved animals and gardening, Ken and Michelle bought a farm in 1984, and they started, like, living off the land. Very cool.
0: Yeah, that'd be something I'd like to do.
1: Yeah, very, very cool.
0: I'm too lazy, though.
1: <laughs> they welcomed a son in 1985, and this is how Ken described Michelle as a mother.
0: Uh, quote, Michelle was an exceptionally strong influence on his life, on who he is. She made life fun, challenging, and exciting for him. End quote.
1: Unfortunately, Michelle was in a very severe car accident in 1991. She suffered traumatic head injuries as well as an injury to her leg. As a result of this accident, her, sus- her husband said, quote, she lost her freedom and emotional stability, end quote. And this is where my life very, very briefly intertwined with Michelle's. I can remember being in probably first grade, maybe kindergarten, and getting ready for uh, a music concert or Christmas play or something, and she was there with her son, who was in my class, and she had the cast on her leg, and I remember she let all the kids sign her cast, which we just thought was the coolest thing ever.
0: Oh, yeah, well, sign in anything, you know. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to sign it, and this is going to be so cool.
1: Yeah, so I mean, that is my brief, very brief connection to this case. Um, But I remember her as being like super, super nice. Michelle was in constant severe pain, though. And she had seizures as a result of her head injuries and chronic pain pain that was just very unbearable and I think that's where a lot of people don't realize the after effects that like any kind of accident can have.
0: Yeah but especially ones if you have like a uh, TBI and stuff like that you know. Yeah. Like people don't realize that those kind of injuries well you know like we consider TBI like concussions and stuff like that but they can have long lasting you know lifetime lasting effects.
1: Right and a lot of pain. And yeah. I can't imagine having such a young child and having to recover from such a serious accident right. and deal with such serious consequences. Right. But her husband said she never gave up. And in fact, Chris, I'll let you read what her husband said.
0: Uh, he said, quote, She was so strong, it seemed she was indestructible, and the world was trying its best to break her, end quote.
1: On the night of March 12, 1993... Michelle was seen inside the Flat Branch Tavern on 127 near Carlisle.
0: Is that tavern still there?
1: Um, I think it is, but I don't think it's called Flat Branch.
0: Is that the one that's like the gator? Like it's the intersection between like like you're going to Centralia and Nashville?
1: No, like, I think this one's north closer to like um, Oh,
0: okay, never mind. Yeah, we're going north, not south. Yeah, like okay. closer
1: to Keysport and stuff. In fact, her vehicle was still parked at the tavern the next morning when her remains were found about a mile and a half away from the tavern. Witnesses told police that they saw Michelle leave with two young men in the early morning hours of March 13th. The two young men were a local boy named Robert Nail of Keysport and his cousin, Billy Marsh of South Roxana. So... I remember when all of this happened and, you know, there was a lot of like, why is this married woman with a child, you know, out in like people are so quick to blame the victim. It's so obnoxious. But I think if you think about her accident and the pain that she was in and, you know, she may have been self-medicating. Right. With alcohol.
0: Oh, that's a 100% possibility that that's something that could have been happening.
1: You know, but regardless, like, she didn't ask for what happened to her.
0: Right. Not at all.
1: The temperatures overnight reached a bitter cold 12 degrees in Clinton County the night that Michelle died. An autopsy was performed on March 13th, but because of the cold, the police were reluctant to assume that they knew the cause of death. She did have severe head trauma. Pathologist Rajni and Dury found 14 wounds caused by multiple blows to the head. It just
0: seems like this pathologist has been getting all of our cases.
1: Well, I think this must have been the main pathologist in southern Illinois during yeah. that time period.
0: Well, I guess it doesn't help that we're uh, small. Sti- small and sticking in the 80s and 90s time frame for most of these cases as well, too. So,
1: Yeah. Um, 14 blows to the head.
0: Yeah, that's a lot.
1: It was unclear how long Michelle was alive in that bitter cold, but she ultimately succumbed to her massive injuries. The pathologist believed, however, she was alive for at least 20 minutes after her fatal beating. That's sad. It's horrific. Like, that just makes me want to cry. And... Nobody deserves that.
0: No, not at all. Nobody
1: deserves that. That's just evil. Police were at the home of Robert Nail the same day Michelle's body was found. So, I mean, they clearly were able to link those two pretty quickly. Right. They found both Robert and Billy there as Billy had been visiting his cousin for the weekend. 20-year-old Billy Marsh and his 19-year-old cousin, Robert Nail, were brought in for questioning while the crime scene investigators searched their home with a search warrant. So they were able to get a search warrant pretty easily since they were the last known people seen seen with her. Um, And they also had a search warrant for Robert Nail's truck. So they bring the boys in for questioning. Billy Marsh uh, asked for an attorney pretty quickly, but his request was left unanswered by the law enforcement officers that were questioning him. The investigators said that's not what happened, though. They claimed that Marsh was told after requesting to, quote, talk to someone else, that he would be booked for murder. At that time, they said that he changed his mind and agreed to speak with investigators. Marsh said that he was coerced into giving a statement when police told him that his cousin had already talked.
0: I don't know. How is that coercion? Like, isn't that just like a normal tactic?
1: Well, deception is allowed by the police.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, we already know what happened. We know what you did. Your cousin's cousin's over there telling telling us us right now. now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, but I guess where, where the contention was is according to Billy Marsh, he asked for an attorney And he said something along the lines of wanting to talk to someone else. And they basically ignored him. But the police are saying, no, it's not what we did. We just told him that's fine, but we're going to book you for murder. And then at that point, he was like, okay, I'll talk. Nevertheless, Billy Marsh told police what happened to Michelle earlier that fateful, bitter, cold morning. He said that he was with his cousin at the Flat Branch Tavern, and they started to talk with Michelle. Michelle. They said Michelle, who was 31 at the time of the murder, uh, was very friendly with them and they were just drinking, having a good time. They decided they were going to leave in Robert's truck and go back to Robert's house, which was just a few miles away to continue partying. So early morning hours, bars are probably getting ready to close. Yeah. She wasn't quite ready to call quits for the night. Right. He said that along the way, Robert stopped the truck on a rural roadway. Marsh admitted to raping Michelle while her cousin held her down. He said that his cousin then took his turn raping the woman. So, I don't care if she's in a bar and she's drinking and she even agreed to leave with them. None of that matters. She obviously didn't want to have sex with them. Right. I mean, no part of that is okay.
0: Right. But, I mean... Yeah, and that just makes it, I mean, that's still the problem that we're having today with...
1: Victim blaming. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, oh, well, she said she looked like she wanted it. Well, that doesn't mean shit, you know. Well,
1: she shouldn't have been there. She, should, she shouldn't She should have went with them. She well, shouldn't have been
0: wearing a short skirt. She shouldn't have been, buying, like, accepting my drinks all night kind of shit. She
1: obviously didn't welcome them, so whatever. I mean, that it takes a real piece of shit, in my opinion, to rape a woman. Yeah, it does. Billy explained that after he was done, he returned to the truck, but he saw his cousin Robert kick Michelle in the head several times. According to Marsh, Michelle looked as if she was attempting to get up from a lying position in the field. Billy went on to say that Robert had blood on both of his boots and he assumed that he had kicked Michelle in the nose and broke her nose. So, the two men left her there alone in the bitter cold to fend for herself. Blood patterns on the ground indicate that she tried to crawl towards the tree line, presumably maybe for shelter. Her injuries were too severe, however, and Michelle passed away shortly after the beating.
0: Can you imagine just being raped and then having the shit kicked out of you? And left there, and then, like, all you're trying to do is just get to someplace to get a little warm, and then that's it. Yeah. It's
1: like... I don't know. I don't have words. I'm a little speechless on this one. It's just... It's beyond disgusting. And, like, if you believe Billy Marsh's story... You know, he was guilty of rape, and but he thought she was getting up and she was fine. So he was just totally cool with, like, raping this woman and leaving her out in the middle of nowhere. Right. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's unimaginable. I don't understand what goes through someone's head to allow them to do something so vile. Right. Billy Marsh and Robert Nail were arrested on March thirteenth, the same day of the murder. So like it did not take long at all for this case no, to come it's together. Very
0: efficient police work.
1: They were booked in the Clinton County jail and bail was set at one million dollars each. Both men were assigned public defenders. Hey guys, it's Gina. If you're looking to fill the time between Midwest Crime Files episodes, we have a podcast recommendation for you.
0: It's called Clark After Dark, a true crime podcast. It features Teresa and Alan Clark, a married couple that focus on killer couples, which is kind of cool.
1: It's very cool. Their first episode is actually about Canadian killer couple, Carla Homolka and Paul Bernardo, AKA the Ken and Barbie killers. And I know Chris probably hasn't heard of that story, but it's a good one.
0: Yeah, I've never heard of it. And the good thing about this is they bring the same energy that Gina and I do. They're funny, they're humorous, they're lighthearted. A little
1: sarcasm here and there. Right. And then, of course, it's a married couple, so there's always a little bit of that back and forth banter. Right.
0: And so if you guys enjoy what you guys hear from Gina and I, you're going to love Clark After Dark.
1: Absolutely. They're a newer podcast, but you can listen to them anywhere you currently listen to podcasts. And so just check them out. Clark After Dark, a true crime podcast. Robert Nail may have only been 19 years old, but he was no stranger to being in legal trouble. At the time of the homicide, he was facing charges in St. Clair County for reckless homicide. Jesus. Like, 19 years old and you've already killed two fucking people. Yeah. On April 2nd, 1992, Robert allegedly struck and killed a 21-year-old man who was riding his bicycle on Illinois 159 in Collinsville. Nail left the scene of the accident, but Collinsville police pulled him over a short time later because his windshield was shattered, he had a flat tire, and a damaged fender. I mean, it's kind of hard to...
0: Yeah, kind of hard to say, oh no, I didn't, I didn't hit anything. <laughs>
1: right. At the time, his blood alcohol content was 0.08, and that was about an hour after the accident. So never mind the fact that, you know, he's right at the legal limit. The kid's 19 years old.
0: Yeah, and it's an hour after the incident, so you know that blood alcohol was higher than that at the time of the incident.
1: Right. So this is somebody that obviously has no regard for anybody but himself. Right. In June of 1993... Billy Marsh and his defense attorneys petitioned the court to suppress his confession and the statements made during his initial questioning. According to Billy, he was denied his right to an attorney. He was coerced into giving a statement and he said, quote, I told them I didn't want to talk to them and I thought I should have a lawyer. They told me it would be best if I gave a statement since Robert already gave a statement. Then I said I would talk to them, end quote. So, what do, you, what do you think? Is that coercion?
0: It doesn't sound like coercion to me. It sounds like the cops did what they needed to do to get uh, get the confession out of them.
1: I mean, I think a lot of times, now I could be wrong, in some of the bigger cities and jurisdictions, I know this is the case. Small town, you know, Clinton County, I don't know if it's the case or not. But, like, I think a lot of times these interrogations are videotaped now. Yeah. Because there's so much of this, like well, he it said was she was coerced. Said, they right. fed me the details for the confession and things right. like that. Um, I don't necessarily think it was. I think it's always better, probably, as soon as they ask for an attorney, let him have an attorney. If you're so sure he did it,
0: right? I mean, what would it? Have, what would it have prevented? Them getting the con- the conviction or the not the conviction the
1: confession? I mean, maybe, but
0: but would it? I mean. I'm, would this have prevented them...
1: From prosecuting it? I don't right. think so. No,
0: I think that they still had enough evidence to charge both of them with the murder. Right. Off, you know, offhand. Granted, it's great that they got the confession, but now you're just putting in all this extra bullshit on top of it, you know, with the whole, oh, well, I was coerced, well, I wasn't "had given my right to an attorney, you know, oh, exactly. I tried, I tried to use, you know, invoke the fifth, but they wouldn't let me, right. kind of things, you know. And I think that's a big problem. that We haven't seen it just like this case, but a lot of cases. is Like, you're right. Once they say that they want an attorney, I think it should just stop. There should be no more contact made after that.
1: No, just let them have their attorney. You know. You know, but the prosecution was able to show that Billy Marsh waived his right to counsel. And eventually his request to suppress the confession was denied. Thank God. Yeah. Like, yes, they had a case without it, but you did something so disgusting, I don't really care that much. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I know that sounds terrible, but I know everybody has rights in our country, but, like, with what he did, sorry, I'm not letting you out on a technicality.
0: No. Not at all.
1: In January of 1994, both men waived their rights to a jury trial and pled guilty to the murder of Michelle Laux. So I did put in a Freedom of Information Act request, but there wasn't that much information because they waived their right to a jury trial and ended up taking a plea.
0: So whenever they... They don't have to submit any kind of evidence or anything like that. Like, there's no real testimony. There's no
1: trial. No. They just plead guilty. So So basically the
0: only, only paperwork you would find is, like, the booking paperwork and, like, the actual, like okay, these are the charges that were brought up, and then the judge is being like, okay, here's your sentence.
1: Right, and whatever's in the indictment, you know. Right. So, but, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of information um, because they did decide to plead guilty, but, I mean, they their lawyers obviously knew that they were cooked, so... <laughs> so, <laughs> I, mean, now I
0: have a question for you. Okay, so, like, they're both getting charged with murder on this one. Yes. And they take... A, you know, they weigh the rights for a jury trial. Does that change the sentencing at all? You know what I'm saying? Like, will the sentencing will the sentencing be a, of, like, a lesser characteristic since it's just a judge deciding if they're guilty or not instead of a jury trial? Like, if a jury trial...
1: Maybe, maybe not.
0: You know, like, if, if it's a jury trial, if they can get life, but if it's a judge, they can only get, like, 20 to 60. You no, know what I'm saying? the judge
1: could still sentence them to life. But a lot of times when um, defendants waive their right to a jury trial and plead guilty, they are making some sort of deal with prosecution. Okay. So, well, But not always. I mean, sometimes they even go to trial, but they waive their right to jury and just want the judge to decide. And if the judge finds them guilty, I mean, he could sentence them to death.
0: Okay, I didn't know if there was like different like classifications of sentencing that could be... Like, if the judge had restrictions on what he could impose as the maximum sentence, rather than if a jury went to trial, like, the you know, since it's a jury of 12 or yeah. of people, you know.
1: No, not unless there's a plea deal made in advance. And that's okay. what happened with Billy Marsh. He had a negotiated plea, and he was immediately sentenced to 30 years in the Illinois Department of Corrections. So, Billy is the one who gave the confession. Mm-hmm. He um, was the one that was visiting his cousin. He is not the cousin who had the history of the reckless homicide. So this is the 20-year-old from South Roxana. Okay. Um, And the reasoning behind the agreement, according to prosecutors, was, quote... The reasoning behind the agreement with Marsh was due to several factors. The most important was that all the evidence pointed to Robert Nail as the one who actually inflicted the blows that caused her death, end quote. And that was from state's attorney, Henry Bergman. He said um, also that, quote, Marsh had been cooperative throughout the investigation Nailed made statements, but Marsh was more truthful and helpful in piecing the case together, end quote. So, I mean, at the end of the day, his confessions, what helped him? Yeah. What he was trying to get suppressed. I don't know. How do you feel about that 30 years?
0: I don't know. What, I don't know what to think about that. I mean, I mean he was
1: definitely guilty of rape.
0: He's definitely, you know, definitely assault and battery, rape, or aggravated assault, I guess. I
1: mean, his conviction's murder, though.
0: I know, but...
1: But he knew they were leaving her out there to fend for herself.
0: Right, and that's when... And that she
1: was injured.
0: Right, and this is one of those things that I don't know if there was, like, the laws were in, you know, I thought it was, if you knowingly did anything, or, you know... I, I can't remember what. Like. Well,
1: I mean, I think this case kind of, at least for Billy Marsh, goes into, like, the felony murder kind of thing. Because even if he didn't know she was going to be murdered, he committed a felony against her in which she, she was, was killed. Dead. Right. So, I, I don't know. I feel like he got a good deal. Right. I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah. Probably a lot less time than he deserved to get.
0: Probably. But I mean he was taking a plea deal, you know, and it was I'm you know, the testimony was probably damning with Robert Nail's case.
1: Robert Nail, however, was given no such promise of leniency. So when he made his guilty plea, it was not a negotiated plea. So he faced whatever the judge saw fit. Bergman said the only agreement made in exchange for Nail's plea was that the death penalty and natural life would be taken off the table.
0: So what do they mean by natural life?
1: So he can't get a life sentence.
0: Okay. I didn't know. It, I, I, um, that's why I was assuming it was, but that's worded different than I've ever seen it worded before. So
1: Yeah, so he could not get the death penalty and he could not get natural life. <sighs> He's 19. I don't know. Like, this goes back to this debate is like, to young, young people like that, do we think at 19 that somebody is incapable of being rehabilitated?
0: Yeah, I mean, yes, to a certain extent, but look at the severity of the crimes that were committed already.
1: I Yeah, I just, I don't you know. You that's,
0: that's something that I've got to, t- like, that I take into consideration. It's like, he's already been charged or, you know, was waiting... Uh, uh, sentencing on an uh, DUI,
1: basically a DUI. reckless homicide.
0: Right, a reckless homicide, and then he goes ahead and commits rape and murder. You know, and he's the one that's been told, like, you know, by the his, evidence pointed he, that he's he the one, one that one, beat her. Right, he was the one that caused her to die. So, can somebody like that be rehabilitated?
1: I don't know. I don't know. And this is where I cannot be completely partial in this case. And I'm just going to be very honest about that. I know Michelle Laux's son. I grew up with Michelle Laux's son. And I cannot be right. partial in this case because I know the victim side too well.
0: Right. And, uh, and that's...
1: And that's just... It's not acceptable And, and, and that's me. why
0: you wouldn't make a good... Jury or a juror for this case?
1: No, I would have not made a good yeah. juror for this case. You are right. Right,
0: but that's why we have me to play the devil's advocate to be the other side. But no, I I, I I just I don't know. It's it's one of those ones where what do we attribute being nineteen and young and dumb? You know, at what at what what crime I made
1: stupid decisions when I was nineteen, but I never raped and murdered anyone. Right.
0: Here's the thing, like, I could... If we
1: were just talking about this DUI and reckless homicide, I'd say, okay, maybe let's give him a little leniency.
0: Right, because, I mean... Maybe. Who... For people that aren't around here, drinking at, like, underage drinking is not just a way of life, it's a pastime around this part.
1: It's a little ridiculous in this area. It is,
0: but you can't tell me that you weren't underage drinking in cornfields and then driving mm-hmm. home.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that I never did do. I well, was good about that. Um
0: Well, okay, I can't say the same though. But for you know, <laughs> like there's so many different factors that you have to look at about like the society around it too. Granted, like we're only talking about the reckless homicide part. I'm not talking about the rape and murder. But no. you're right. If it was just a reckless homicide we're talking about, I can granted yes somebody died, but it's one of those ones where
1: I still think he would, like, in, because he left the act scene, too, like, right. I would still think he'd need to do prison time, but I'd say, all right, give him leniency, but then, you know, while you're already have it, taken one person's life, and I can't imagine the guilt you have to feel over that, but obviously he's a sociopath and didn't feel any, because he proceeded to rape and then take another person's life.
0: Right. And I don't know what the point is about why they, or why he he needed to be Michelle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't get... Is it because you were scared that she was going to find out, like, she knew who you were and she was going to tell? Then why do it in the first place? You know what I'm saying? Or are you
1: just a piece of shit?
0: Right. But we don't know that.
1: I'm leaning towards he's just a piece of shit. Just my thought. The state's attorney planned to seek the maximum sentence, which was 100 years. So Robert Nail would have a separate sentencing hearing. In May of 1994, Robert Nail faced a judge for his sentencing. For the first time since Michelle's death, the man appeared to show remorse. However, Ken Laux was not buying it, and I will let Chris read the quote from Ken.
0: Ken said, quote, Nail really didn't show any remorse until his own life was on the line, end quote.
1: Ken gave a extremely moving victim impact statement on behalf of himself and his son. He said that he and his wife were, quote, were perfect partners who had the greatest respect and admiration for each other, end quote. That just, like, that makes my heart skip a little beat. Like, that's just, ugh. yeah. He said that his son, who was now eight years old, is faced with, quote, the impossible fact that someone would actually want to hurt his mother, end quote. I don't know how you, as a father, explain that to your child.
0: Right. and And I'm
1: sure he didn't just come home and say, like, this is what happened to mom. Like, I'm sure first you have to explain why mom is gone. Right. But I just, I don't know how you wrap your head around that. Right. Evidence was presented about the reckless homicide charge Nail faced at the time of the murder, as well as his other legal troubles. So when it comes to sentencing, these other acts that have nothing to do with a the crime, they're allowed in on a sentencing hearing. Just because, not on the trial. Right. Because it doesn't determine your guilt, but it can determine what kind of severe punishment you should right, get. Right, and
0: what could, like, the, the content of your character.
1: Exactly. So apparently, since being in the county jail in Carlisle... Nail had also been charged with bringing contraband into the jail when he arranged for marijuana to be brought in by another inmate who was serving weekends only. So he arranged for a friend of his to get with this inmate during the week, give him the marijuana so that when the inmate came in for the weekend, he could give Robert Nail the marijuana.
0: I mean, he knew how to play the system.
1: Yeah, at 19. That's what's scary. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Nail also had a history of illegal consumption of alcohol. Not surprised. I mean, that's a lot of kids in this area. Unlawful transportation of a weapon?
0: Well, see, and that one is different because you don't know what...
1: I don't know what that means.
0: Well, unlawful transportation of a weapon can mean a numerous bunch of things. Like, you were driving your car with a shotgun in the back that was loaded, like, from hunting. You know, like, there's so many different, like, there's so many different things.
1: Right, we don't really know what that What that charge was. Multiple traffic violations, which it always cracks me up when they bring traffic violations in. Because other than, I guess, saying, like, general disregard for the law, I guess I'm not really sure. Right. What traffic violations have to do with even sentencing. No. Other than, like, obviously, reckless homicide. Charge like that right. is different, but you know, speeding tickets and things like that.
0: I don't. Yeah, I don't get why those are brought in either. But
1: but then he also had a charge of a misuse of a credit card. He's so, fucking
0: nineteen. Well,
1: that's a character kind of thing, though. I think too. Well, like, they're showing on, that.
0: Well, it depends on the, what the misuse was. Were you like? I'm, well, I'm. I'm sorry. You were probably responsible because you were married and had a kid at nineteen. Didn't
1: I was very responsible. I was not. So,
0: as far as, I don't know what, like, I don't get why that, like, the only...
1: So, the only way you would get a charge for misuse of a credit card, in my opinion, is if you're using somebody else's credit card. But then it would be... What else, how else is it misuse?
0: Well, but then it's identity, like, then it's identity fraud if you're using somebody else's credit card, though. Well,
1: probably not in the late 80s. He didn't really know what he hadn't really heard of identity theft in the early 90s, late 80s. Bro. But my thought is he probably used a parent's credit card without permission. In closing arguments, the state said that Nail was, quote, a cruel individual with no regard for human life. End quote. I agree with the state. I think this guy is a piece of shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm partial in this case. I'm very biased.
0: Yeah, you can tell.
1: (laughs) But, I mean, come on. Like, how can you not be? Judge Huber sentenced Robert Nail to 80 years in the Illinois Department of Corrections in 1994. I applaud that. Yeah. I think 80 years is a good sentence for him. Yeah. I mean, that gives him a chance at parole when he's like, as shit, but for the most part, he can spend his life in prison where he belongs because he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Nail appealed stating that the crime was not indicative of wanton cruelty and that it was unfair that Marsh received a much lighter sentence for the same crime.
0: No, we're not, it's not the same crime, though.
1: Mom, it's not fair. You only grounded him for two weeks and you grounded me for three.
0: Yeah, well, you're the... That's what that
1: reminds me of.
0: Yeah, well, you're the one that beat the shit out of somebody. Right. You're the one that freaking decided to try to freaking curb stomp somebody.
1: And how do you say that was not indicative of cruelty? Seriously?
0: Right, because, you know, rape is such such an innocent crime.
1: Well, and then to beat her and leave her out in the cold. Like, if her injuries didn't kill her, the cold would have. Right. Seriously? Like... This guy, I don't know. I guess if you're going to spend the rest of your life in jail, you got nothing to lose, right? So you appeal with some bullshit and see if it works.
0: Whatever, you know, throw stuff at the wall, see whatever sticks.
1: Exactly. Marsh's deal, however, had been made before Nail decided to change his plea to guilty. And had Nail went to trial with the jury... Marsh would have been required to testify against him. So, it was not the same. Right. The court rejected all of Robert Nail's appeals and said, quote, the trial court could reasonably infer the defendant had no mercy or compassion, but that his behavior was ruthless, callous, and uncaring. Right. End quote.
0: And I could see that.
1: I mean, he just did not care. Not at all. Period. Billy Marsh has since been released from prison. Robert Nail remains incarcerated at Graham Correctional Center. He will be eligible for parole in 2030, at which time he will be 57 years old. I hope they keep him locked up. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, you could see his most recent mugshot there. He looks like a piece of crap, don't he? A little bit. I think he still probably is. Billy Marsh and Robert Nail showed little regard or concern for Michelle Laux and they robbed her husband and child of a lifetime of memories that they can never replace on that bitter cold night.
0: It's a shitty story. Again. It really
1: is. Like, it's just, it. I can't believe this kind of stuff happens right here.
0: Right. Right ten, here. Ten miles from where we live.
1: Exactly. To people we know.
0: Well, you know. I don't know.
1: But it's just... It's it's unreal. And it's unreal that these kind of things happen to good people. Right. And it's just not fair.
0: It's not fair at all. Like, it's not fair at all. I mean, like, like the court said, you know, you robbed a son and a husband of a lifetime of memories. hmm Because of... Because of what, like, and that's the thing. There was no robbery that was committed. There was nothing.
1: I don't understand what the motive was, other than just to be assholes. Yeah, pretty much.
0: You know, like, and that I don't. And know... I,
1: I don't know how I feel about Billy Marsh being out of prison already.
0: Well, I mean, obviously, the state decided that he.
1: I hope to God. Wherever he's at, that he has turned his life around, right, and has done something positive, and doesn't squander the opportunity that he has at a second chance, right? You know, and hopefully the parole board sees Robert Nail for who he is and keeps him in prison. Yeah, that's my hope.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good hope.
1: If you guys want to read the blog post and see the list of references for this case, visit us at www.themidwestcrimefiles.com. While you're there, you can also like and follow us on Facebook and become a patron. If you want to become a patron, you can do so for as little as $1 a month. There are different levels, and you will get all kinds of goodies. We've got um, coupon codes for merchandise. We've got... um, Extra entries into contest, and I think the most important thing is exclusive episodes
0: just for you guys.
1: And we'll have another patron exclusive episode coming in before the end of December. So very very exciting. Yep. And between now and the end of December, if you would like to shop in our store on our website, you can take five dollars off an order of thirty five or more using the coupon code Season. And then the number three.
0: I can't believe it's season three already still.
1: I know. It's crazy.
0: Can we take another break?
1: No. Until then, we will see you guys next week.
0: Bye, guys.